to speak, I'm going to read um, the passage for this morning. So can I encourage you to get your Bibles out? Um, the passage will also appear on the screen behind me if you don't have um, a Bible with you. We're reading from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 34. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it would be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's make Shay feel really welcome. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. Good afternoon, church. Hope you're good. Right. And if you're watching online, thank you for joining. Right. Um, I'm going to start today's message with a video clip of a professor doing a serious interview on the news. I'm sure you might have seen the video before, but let's have a look quickly. Scandals happen all the time. The question is, how do democracies respond to those scandals? Uh, and what will it mean for, uh, for the wider region? I think one of your children has just walked in. I mean, shift it, shifting... Shifting sands in the region, do you think relations with the north may change? Um, I would be surprised if they do. The, um, pardon me. Pardon me. 
My apologies. <laughs> what was this going to be for the region? My apologies. North, uh, sorry. Um, North Korea, North, uh, South Korea's policy choices on North Korea have been severely limited in the last six months to a year. I love this, that sliding part. <laughs> the lady just slided. Right, uh, that was exactly what came to mind when I read verse 13 of this passage. Jesus is teaching some profound kingdom principles in front of a large crowd, telling them how to, you know, be a disciple or be a follower of Jesus Christ. And here comes this guy from the crowd shouting and interrupting just like we just watched, asking Jesus to settle a dispute between himself and his brother, nothing relating to the kingdom principles at all. But unlike the professor being interviewed, Jesus doesn't try to push the interruption away or brush it off or apologize for that. But what Jesus did was he, he uses this as, as an opportunity to teach on how we are to live while we are waiting and anticipating the kingdom of God to fully come anticipating the kingdom of God, the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus talks about two things we shouldn't do and one thing that we should do. So um, let's have a look at what Jesus says we shouldn't do. The first thing is not to hoard possessions or for us to be materialistic. In verse 15, Jesus says, watch out and be on your guard against all kinds of of greed. That means greed is not something that you can easily see. It's not something that uh, you, can, you can see. It's something eating. And um, it's not something you can find in the Ten Commandments or something that you can find in the book of the law. Jesus says, watch out. And no wonder Jesus told the rich young man in Matthew 19.21, Jesus has already identified what is in this man's heart. And he said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And the Bible says that this man went away sad because he had great wealth. There is a poll in the U.S. I read about a few weeks ago. And um, it's talking about people, what people are willing to do for $10 million. And incredibly, two-thirds of the people agreed to at least one of the following options. 25% said that they will abandon their entire family for $10 million. Wow. Another 25% said they will abandon their church. 23% said that they will become a prostitute for a week or more. Incredible. 16% said that they will give up their American citizenship. Another 16% said they will leave their spouse for $10 million. 10% said they will owe the testimony and let a murderer go for free. 7% will kill a stranger. And 3% will put up their children for adoption. That's incredible. And that's the world we are living in. We can see how people give regard to money 
and possessions and turning money into a form of a God as security. While you might not feel that way or say, Shay, that's not me, that's too extreme. I will never give up my children for adoption. I will never abandon my family. I will never abandon my church. But the truth is, materialism is more subtle than that. Let's ask ourselves this question. How has your relationship with Jesus changed your relationship to money and to possessions? Has it changed? Jesus then goes ahead and tells a story or a parable, if you like, um, of a, of a man whose ground yields more and more crops and decides to build bigger and bigger bands. This rich man gives his life to a dream of having more and is basically saying within himself and thinking within himself that this is how to be in control in an uncontrollable world and this is how to be safe in a dangerous world. But he completely misses it. He misses the point. And the interesting thing about the parable is that it's not the man's own doing or his ability that is responsible for the increase. Jesus chooses his word carefully in verse 16. Jesus says that the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. So what produced a good crop? The man? The ground? The ground, yes. But this man quickly forgets the source of his success. He, 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 he forgot that he's not the owner. He thought he was the owner, but he forgot that he's being owned, and God calls him a fool. Psalm 24 verse 1 says that the earth is the Lord and its fullness thereof. People, everything, everyone that lives in it. Let me paint a bit of context. The issue Jesus is addressing in this parable is not about the ownership of possessions. And it's not about having money or saving money. In fact, Jesus encourages savings in another parable of the wise stewardship. And as we know, some have more and some have less. But what Jesus is teaching in this parable... It's about the ownership by possessions. Ownership by possession, where one's possessions possess and control them. And is that what we are living for? Having more and more. And by the way, you don't, you don't have to be wealthy or have, um, to have this kind of problem. Many people who are very little are just as materialistic because they spend their life wishing that they, 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 they had more. But Jesus is saying when it comes to the kingdom living, when it comes to kingdom principle, you have to be careful on how you handle money and possessions. And of course, money and possessions are not the only things that Jesus wants about, but he talks about it a lot, perhaps more than any topic. And here is one of the things that Jesus says about money in Luke 16 verse 13. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. No, you can't make both God and money your security. 
And what Jesus is saying is, watch out for this kind of greed. I'm going to ask again, how has your relationship with Jesus changed your relationship to money and to possessions? Or what place do you give money in your heart? Do you put too much trust in money or your, is, is your purpose and fulfillment tied up with money? And if God has given you more, doesn't he expect more from you? Just like the Bible says that um, to whom much is given, much is required of him. And are you not supposed to be generous, to be the, the faithful steward who recognizes that ultimately it is not mine, it's God's. And you can boldly say that, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. So the first thing Jesus says not to do while waiting for the kingdom, don't hoard or don't put money and possessions first. And the second thing Jesus tells us is not to worry. I believe some of us will fall into this category. From verse 22, Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and body, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Jesus is simply saying that you should not worry about your life, your well-being. Because there is a way worry can lead to fear. Worrying because you don't have it can easily lead to fear that you won't have it. And your head will start spinning and thinking about, I won't have enough. I will never get married. I will never be in the relationship. I will never get well. Or I will never have children. I will not pay off my mortgage. And what these worries and fears do to us is they become a barrier. They become a stumbling block, preventing us from seeing the plan of God. When God says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to give you hope, plans to give you a future, plans to give you an expected end, and you're worried. And what, what, what worries and fears, they prevent us from from seeing what God has done. They prevent us from seeing what God is doing in our lives. So what are you worrying about? What are your worries? And to be honest, we all worry about something. We do. I remember when I was in between jobs, I was worried. Yes, I was worried about how to pay my bills. I was worried about how to pay roof over our head. I was worried about everything. But the truth is that situations like this should actually push us towards leaning on God, on God's resources and not ours. The, I like the way Proverbs said it. It says that trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways you acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Trusting in God's resources and not yours. Because ultimately, it's God's and not yours. There is a scene in the movie, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Newt and Jacob were the two characters, you know, in, in, in Central Park. 
And in the middle of the night, they were searching for a dangerous beast that was on the loose. And all of a sudden, nonchalantly, Newt, you know, just slipped um, a body armor on Jacob. So um, let's watch the video clip. Right. If you just um, pop this on. Okay. Now, there's absolutely nothing for you to worry about. Tell me, has anyone ever believed you? You told him not to worry? Well, my philosophy is that worrying means you suffer twice. Newt said to Jacob, my philosophy is worry means you suffer twice. <laughs> what an incredible um, quote. And here you see, Newt said to Jacob, don't worry. When it was so obvious, there was a lot to be worried about in the middle of the night searching for a dangerous beast that was on the loose. There was a lot to be worried about. And that's exactly what it's like as a Christian when you are really worried about something and Jesus is telling you not to worry. And in your head, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's easier said than done. Or a friend telling you not to worry or quoting a scripture about you not to worry. And you can't just get that. But it's true that Jesus tells us not to worry. And yet, we do worry. And why? Do we worry? Jesus writes in the middle, he diagnoses all our issues and sums it up in verse 28 and says, If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? How much more? Will your God clothe you? And Jesus is saying that the, the reason why we are worried and anxious about stuff and why we easily drift into accumulating more money and more new things and is, is simply because deep in our hearts we, we are not totally convinced that God is as good as he said he is. Yes, we know in our heads that he's a good God. We know in our heads that he can provide your need. You know in our heads that he can do all things. But worry really does betray a lack of trust in God's presence, in God's provision, in God's goodness, and in God's security that we have in him. That's what worry does. And the truth is, if God said it, he will bring it to pass. If you have spoken it, it will make it good. It said that it will clothe you. And this was my experience when I was in between jobs. It came through for me. You know, just like we sang, when you walk through the fire, it's with you. And when you walk through the water, it's with you. It will never leave you. That's his promise for you. It will never leave you. It will never forsake you. It is with you. I like the way the psalmist says it in Psalm 52, verse 22. It says that I will cast my burden upon the Lord, for he cares for me. I will cast my burden upon the Lord, for he shall sustain me. He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. As for me, I will call upon the Lord. Evening, morning, and noon will I cry out and pray, and he shall hear my voice. God will hear your voice when you pray. Jesus is clear that we should not worry or put our possessions 
as number one objective or priority. And it's clear that we shouldn't worry or fear. These are the two things that Jesus said we shouldn't do while we are waiting for the kingdom to come. But the good news is that it doesn't just tell us what we shouldn't do, but it also tells us what we should do. And in verse 31, it says, Seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. What an amazing promise that follows when you seek the kingdom of God. A promise that you will never be without anything you need. So what does seek first the kingdom of God look like to you? How can you define seeking first the kingdom of God in your own experience? To seek God is to put God first and is to trust God. To seek God personally is, is for you to seek God intimately and seek God diligently and continuously. Watch out for God's activities, signs, and his kingdom coming. Listen out to his voice in all circumstances. That is what it means to seek God. Putting, your, putting God as your first priority and all your commitment to God should shape, guide, and govern every other area of your life. Why? Because God deserves first place in your life. And God desires first place in your life. And you know what? It demands first place in your life. And when you do that, it promises that you are gaining treasure in heaven. You are gaining something eternal and something far greater value than any earthly thing. Something that can never be destroyed or lost or left behind even when you die. You are gaining something eternal. Praise God. And seeking God forces is actually the key to breaking power of worries and fear. And to trust God is to pray instead of worry. Is to make prayer your first response instead of your last resort. Call upon him and he will answer. He will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. That's the God we serve. And if you follow him, why don't you trust him? Why won't we give everything for him? Why do we trust the world instead of trusting the Lord? And you know what? We do that when we take our eyes off Jesus. We do that when we forget the cross. And as a matter of fact, the cross, on the cross, Jesus did exactly what he's asking us to do. And if I go back to the American poll, and I put it this way, what will Jesus do for you? This time around, not for $10 million, because you are much more valuable than that. So what will Jesus do for you? You know what? Jesus is willing to lose his power for you. And that's exactly what he did. He's willing to lose his glory for you. He's willing to even give up his divinity and to put on your humanity just because of you. And you know what? He's willing to lose his relationship with God. I know what he said on the cross. Father, why have you forsaken me just because of you? That's what Jesus is willing to do. You know what? Jesus lost everything. He gave everything. He sold everything. And as a matter of fact, Jesus liquidated everything for you. Hebrews 12 says this in verse 2. 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So why do you need to fix your eyes on Jesus Christ? It's very simple. Because he's fixing his eyes on you. Jesus will never run out of patience for you. Jesus loves you to the end. We may stumble. He will never stumble. And when you stumble, he will pick you up. When you walk through the fire, he's with you. When you go through the water, he is with you. And when you fix your eyes on him, you will realize that Jesus is actually fixing his eyes on you. Jesus has proven his power, he has proven his love, and is infinitely more trustworthy than anything or anyone else. He is an unshakable and the eternal foundation of our lives. So why would we seek anything else? Why would we settle for second best? A Christian author, C.S. Lewis, wrote this. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drinks, sex, and ambition. When infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. What a great quote. God has given you his ultimate treasure, Jesus and Jesus has given you everything. So don't run after money and possessions. Be generous with what God has given you. Don't worry about things that are out of your control. If you do have it, don't hoard it. And if you don't have it, don't worry. Put your trust in the Lord. Put your trust in your heavenly father who loves you and who knows how to give his children good gifts. Put everything at his place at the foot of the Lord Jesus Christ and say and seek him. Seek him first. And all these things will be given to you as well. Amen. Thank you, Richard. Thank you.